morning, church. Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. As we go to prayer, it's so good to be able to call on one of God's names. The fact that he is Emmanuel, meaning that he is with us. He is with us. And there are times we may wonder, Lord, are you with us? We may wonder, Lord, are you with them who are hurting, who are suffering? Yes, he's with them because he is omnipresent. He's everywhere, all the time, in all of his fullness. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you that one of the names of your son Jesus is Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. God, thank you for being with us when we weren't with you. Thank you, thank you for being for us when we weren't for you. Thank you for coming to save your people from their sins. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us. And now, Lord, as we continue on in this worship service, I join Dr. Jewel's prayers for those in our community, as she prayed earlier, who need to know that you are with them this morning as tornadoes have come and devastated Hendersonville, Clarksville, parts of Nashville and other counties. As people are awakening this morning to all kinds of challenges, inconveniences, and maybe even death and loss of loved ones. You are still Emmanuel. And when one part of the body or the community suffers, we suffer with it. We feel for them. Show us this week what we can do to be your hands and to be your feet. Show us how to put works alongside of our prayer so that we can be a good neighbor to those who may be struggling in our surrounding neighborhoods. Now, Lord, we need a word from you, and I thank you that there is a word, and it's in your word. Help me to teach, help me to preach in a way that not only glorifies you, but edifies your people. Help us to leave out with a better understanding of the kingdom because we heard from the king as you spoke through a vessel of clay like myself. Have your way, O oh God. Lord, also we want to pray for Pastor Jerry as he is in Canada spending time with his sister as she's been admitted to hospice. We pray for a special grace upon her. I thank you, Lord, that as she has come to the end, she really sounds like Paul who said, I have finished my race. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I thank you that she knows where she's going because she knows who she's trusted. Pray for G to be able to have peace. Pray, Lord, that he would shepherd his sister in this moment and her family. Be with them. Lord, we love you so much and we bless you. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. 
I'll begin reading at verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. And the Bible reads, now in the sixth month, and this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, in the earlier portions of Luke, Gabriel had visited Zacharias and said that he and his wife would have a child. So based on the context, this is the sixth month of that pregnancy. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Stop and pause. Betrothal in that period was um, an intense form of engagement in our culture. Except in that culture, when you were betrothed to a woman, you were legally married to her. Even though y'all were not living together yet, you have not consummated the marriage, you were preparing for the marriage, but you were legally married. And so they were married, but they were not together yet. The betrothal period was a time of preparation to get ready to bring the bride into your home and on and on. And so this virgin is betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. In other words, I'm not sexually active with a man to be able to conceive a child. Verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We're in a series called The Voices of Christmas. The Voices of Christmas from the Gospel of Luke. And this morning, we're going to hear Mary's voice. When she said, let it be to me according to your word. So listen to Mary today when she said, let it be to me according to your word. That's kind of a long title, but I wanted the title to come straight from scripture. But if I had to remix it a little bit, I would call the title Mary's message to me. Mary's message to me. Well, it's been said, the purpose of life is to have a life 
of purpose. The purpose of life is to have a life of purpose. God created you on purpose. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. He created you on purpose. And if you're born again, he saved you with a purpose. He created you on purpose. If you're a Christian, he saved you with a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10 says, For it is by grace that you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. So he didn't save you so that you could sit. He didn't save you that you could sit, sulk, and sour. No, he saved you and me so that we might serve him. And in serving him, we serve his people. And in doing so, God is glorified. So he created us and saved us with a purpose. You see, there's something God saved you to do. There is something that God wants you to do. There is something God qualified you to do. There's something God gifted you to do. And there's something that God expects you to do. There's a work on your life. There's a purpose on your life. If he knows every hair that is on your head, he knows exactly what he has for you to do. And when we find out what our purpose is in life, that's when we find fulfillment in life. Can I get a witness? When you find why you are here and you put together your experiences, your upbringing, where you come from, who your parents were, are, when you put together where you went to school, where you did this, where you did this, God is working all of that together like it's a pot of gumbo. So that when folk taste your life, they taste something good. There's a purpose on your life and on my life. God does not make mistakes. So the main idea today is that when we hear the voice of Mary, something's going to happen. Hear what Mary is saying today because she teaches us how to walk in our calling. I said you were called to do something for God. Mary teaches us how to walk in the calling. And the principles I'm going to share today are principles that help get us started in the calling. But they're the same principles that sustain us in our calling. Okay, so I want you to listen intently today because Mary has a message not only for me, but also for you. And she's going to teach us how to walk in our calling because there's somebody here today saying, Lord, why am I here? God, what's my purpose? Um, why did you allow me to go through that? Why do I have this particular skill set? How come it hasn't happened for me yet? I see other people walking in their purpose, walking in their destiny. God, what's up? It seems like you've passed me by. But may the word of God go forth today and increase your faith to let you know that God has a plan. I know we hear it all the time, but it is true. He has a plan for your life. Well, in hearing the voice of Mary there were a few things that happened. The first thing, when, when, when we hear the voice of Mary from Luke's gospel that I just read, number one, there was no questioning. 
Now, that's not proper English, but it's good preaching. I'm supposed to say there wasn't any kind of a question or whatever. No, there were no questions. There was no questions. Uh-huh. Luke 1, 34. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? See, Pastor, I, I knew you were tripping. That's a question right there. So how are you going to have your first point be no questioning? Well, that is a question, but she is not questioning God with the question. Don't go far. Don't, don't, don't run away now. Don't. She asked a question, but she wasn't questioning God. And you do know there's a difference. There's a difference. When you're asking a question, you really are trying to get some information. But when you're questioning God, hmm, that's a little dangerous because you're setting yourself up like you know more than God or, or God doesn't know what he's doing or God lacks not only power, but God lacks intelligence. So you, the clay, you're questioning the potter. And when we contrast what's going on here with Mary, we can't help but look back to what happened with Zacharias. Because when Zacharias asked a question in Luke chapter 1, verse 18, he was really questioning God. And that's why he was disciplined and he was made mute until John was born. Let me read it for you, verse 18 of chapter 1. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife is well advanced in years. He was questioning what Gabriel said. And that's why Gabriel said, look here, bro. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you uh, these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day that these things take place. Mary asked the question and she wasn't disciplined. Zacharias did more than ask a question. He questioned God. Why is that? Whereas Mary was not praying to get pregnant. She's probably praying like most brides. I hope all my bridesmaids make it. I hope we got enough cake and punch and all this stuff. She's probably praying about all that stuff. But Zacharias and his wife had been praying for a child. So when Gabriel shows up and says, your prayer, remember last week, has been heard now you're going to question it. And because you're questioning it, that shows your lack of faith and your arrogance. And so because of that, he was disciplined by the angel. So Mary asked a question, but she was not questioning God. Again, she didn't ask to get pregnant. And what many of us are walking in, we didn't ask for this. God gave it to us. And it's okay for us to ask a question. But if you've been praying for something and then it shows up and then you question God for when it shows up, you might want to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You see, to question God is to doubt him and disrespect him. And as I mentioned, to question God is to imply he lacks intelligence and that he lacks omnipotence. When God called Moses, he said, Moses, uh, I am that I am. And I want you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses said, well, I'm not eloquent in speech. 
Matter of fact, I stutter. And uh, God says, uh, who made man's mouth? Matter of fact, not only that, who made the deaf and the dumb? So, so and then uh, God gave him another sign. And Moses was like, oh, Lord, please send somebody else. And the Bible says God became angry with Moses. So he was questioning God. To say, God, you really didn't know what you were doing when you called me to do that good work you prepared for me in advance. You're questioning God. Uh, another person questioned God, and his name was, let me see my notes here. Uh, what's his brother's name who also questioned God? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah then said to God, Lord, I can't go because I'm young. And then God says, don't tell me that you are young. I knew you were young when I called you. Don't question my intelligence. Don't question my capacity to do in you and through you what I'm calling you to do. Because faithful is he who calls, who will also what? Do it. God knows we don't bring anything to the table. He has everything at the table. He sets the table for us. But I just wondered today, what's your excuse? When God says, I want you to do something. Something that's never been done before. Something that's never been seen before. Because with Mary, it had never been done before. It had never been seen before. Nobody had ever heard it before. And so just as you are unique, there's a calling on your life that is unique. Because if God wanted somebody else to do it, he would have called somebody else to do it. He called you, chose you to do it. But what's your excuse? What's my excuse? That questions God's intelligence and his capacity. Mary accepted her assignment without questioning God. Thank God for Mary. She shows me something. And her assignment involved her doing something that had never been done before. Something that had never been heard before. Something that had never been seen before. But I'm so glad she gave God her yes. I'm so glad. But imagine what you and I could do for God if we stopped questioning him. You sure God is me? Imagine what we could do for God if we stopped giving excuses for why we can't do what God has called us to do. But secondly, not only was there no questioning, there was no Ego with our sister. Luke chapter 1, verse 38, the Bible says, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. That's what she said. She, she said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. I, I am a servant. That's who I am. She had no ego. And what I love about Luke chapter 1, verse 38, is that there is an exclamation point behind, uh, uh, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let me go back to it. Move my, my, my marker. Now I can't find nothing. Y'all ever look for your glasses and they're on top of your head? I'm in that group now. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Exclamation point. She's excited to be a servant. She's excited to serve. I would ask you to say, ouch, if this is convicting. Uh, I'll just say, ouch, for you, ouch. <laughs> I'm not always excited to serve. 
Sometimes I serve because I know I'm supposed to serve, and I pray that my attitude catches up with my actions. Sometimes you just get, you can't wait to feel right to do what's right. Sometimes you got to do what's right, and then the feelings will catch up to you. Thank you for serving with the angel tree. I heard so many good things about what you did, what we did to bless the community. Praise God. We, we, we grow when we serve. Mary saw herself as a servant of lowly estate. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 48. Here's what she said. She said, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. She said, God has regarded the lowly state. In other words, she wasn't thinking that she was all that and then some. She wasn't high-minded. She didn't think of herself more highly than she should have thought. She really said, God sits high and he looks low to see somebody like me. And that ought to be each and every one of our perspective here. And she saw herself of lowly estate. In other words, she made herself of no reputation, which is what her son would end up doing with his life, making himself of no reputation, coming not to be served, but to serve. Because being a servant didn't mean that Mary was not blessed. The Bible says that she was blessed. Being a servant didn't mean that Mary didn't have favor on her life. No, she did have favor on her life. And being a servant meant she made herself available to God. No assignment was beneath her. The best ability is availability. I once heard Elder Sherman say this, and I've never forgotten it. We don't mind being called a servant. We just don't like being treated like one. And Mary was a servant, and being a servant was going to get tested. Pastor, how do you know? Well, she had to leave her hometown and go down south to Bethlehem because of this census that the governor was taking. And as a pregnant lady, she had to ride all the way. I don't know how she got there. We see the different cartoons and the stories we read. She was riding side saddle and all this stuff. She was great with child. We don't know. But man, that's tough right there. And then when they get to town, there's no room in Motel 6. Now they're treating you like a servant. Now, don't you know who I'm carrying? Don't you know who's outside? You don't see her mouthing anything like that. Neither does Joseph. And really, as we break it down, the inn really wasn't a hotel. It was a room that would be in a relative's house, the kataluma, the guest room. And it was a room that normally animals would be kept in when it would be too cold outside. They would bring them into the kataluma. And there wasn't even room in the kataluma for them, in the guest room. So wherever she gave birth, she had to give birth surrounded by animals. And, and dig it, a servant, you got to take your baby and put your baby in a manger where animals put their mouths. The lowly estate of your servant. And it was being tested, and I don't see her complaining one bit. Because in the kingdom of God, greatness is found in serving. Greatness is found in humbling yourself. Greatness is found in humility, which is why in the kingdom of God, fulfillment is found not only in serving, because, listen, if you're not fulfilled as a Christian, that must mean you're not serving anybody. And you're definitely not using your spiritual gifts 
We are most spiritual and most fulfilled when we serve and use our spiritual gifts. He gave you a gift, again, to glorify him and edify the body. But if you're not using your gift, you're not edifying the body. You're not glorifying God. And when I use my gift, not only does the body get edified, but I get edified because I'm walking in the will of God. So I just want to say to anybody sitting on the sideline today, you're lacking fulfillment. Find out where you can serve. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's the kingdom. Imagine what you and I could do for God if we weren't so prideful. If our ego wasn't so huge and we think it's about us. No, it's not about us. Jesus. You know, when Judas came to arrest Jesus, he had the mob with him. Jesus was so unassuming that Judas says, the one I kiss, that's the one. In other words, Jesus wasn't levitating above the, the, the 11. He didn't have a halo around his head. He didn't like shine like, you know, he shined on the Mount of Transfiguration. But, but he was regular. He, he looked like everybody else. So Judas said, I got to kiss him so you know who he is. Why? Because he made himself of no reputation. As a Protestant, sometimes I feel robbed. Because as a Protestant, we don't normally give Mary her props. Because we're so busy trying to make sure we separate ourselves from Catholicism, where they have an inordinate worship and value placed on Mary, which should not be. But then Protestants go the other way and don't even acknowledge what the sister went through. But she is to be honored. The angel said, listen to this, you're blessed among women, not above women, among women. Oh, my. She's to be learned from. But thirdly, there was no hesitation, no hesitation. I go back to verse 38. She said, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me. Mary gave God her yes without hesitation. She gave God her yes without hesitation. Pastor, what was going on? Well, the angel said the sixth month, you know, your cousin, Elizabeth, who's older, she's in her sixth month. So this thing has to happen. The ball is rolling. And we need you to give God your yes because there's a timetable that God is working on. You know that would have messed a lot of us up. Because... We like to um, have the paralysis of analysis. And we say spiritual stuff that really isn't spiritual. When we're presented with an opportunity to use our gifts, to jump in, we say stuff like, well, I think I need more clarity. Uh, you know, I, I think we need to pray on it some more. And when you say you're going to pray on it, you're not going to pray on it. That, that you're just delaying because... Either it's not what you want or you're just not spiritual enough to see what God's doing. But the time is rolling. Mary, we need your yes. Now, the Tennessee Titans are probably going to be drafting high <laughs> in the draft. Still love them. I still love them. But they're going to be drafting high. And when there's draft day, each team is put on the clock. You've got X amount of minutes to make a decision. You can't hold up the movement because you need to pray about it. You can't hold up the movement because you need more clarity. 
And I'm still trying to find that passage in scripture. I think it's in second hesitations where it says, I need more clarity. I think it's over there somewhere. Maybe it's in the Apocrypha, the lost books or something. I need more clarity. I thought we walked by faith, not by sight. In America, the Western mind, clarity means control. I got to control it. I got to see everything. But this girl, she was just given enough to, to go in the right direction. And she took it. All right, all right. Hesitation. A lot of times, some of us in here, when we go to the pool, your ethnic group, no, that's probably not the right way to say it. Uh, <laughs> your racial classifier, no, no. There's some of us that don't like getting in the water. I happen to be one of them, right? Pool water got to almost be like bath water before I get up in there. And so if it's cold, there's some straight up hesitation with a brother. Because I'm going to put my foot in. I'm like, oh, this is some cold water here. This is cold. But I see other folk just jumping in. They just jumping in. And, and see, I make it worse because I try to take it step by step. You know, so here's pool. I go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> then I go in a little deeper. Oh, 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 oh. Then I get a little water, put it on my shoulder. People looking at me like, man, will you just jump in? Stop hesitating. Oh, oh. Anybody else do that? All black folks raise their hand. Hesitating. Jump in. Who grew up playing double dutch? Double dutch. Okay. All right. So you'd have two girls who would have two ropes. And they'd spin them, right? Do all that. And sometimes they sing a song with it, you know. I don't know them songs, but they would do that. <laughs> and then you would have another person, a girl or a guy, they would be off to the side waiting to jump in to the twirling. And the person on the side would be doing this. <laughs> and then they get in there and, you know, do all that stuff. Then they turn it and all that stuff, right? But what if we're doing double dutch and you off on the side? You got to jump in at some point. Mary did not do that when the angel said, you have an assignment. She didn't. No, she jumped in. Imagine what you and I could do for God if we stopped hesitating and just jumped in. Well, finally, this sister had no fear. Oh, this is a message to me here. Again, we go back to verse 38. She said, let it be to me according to your word. This was one of the good angels. So this angel was speaking on behalf of God, meaning this angel was speaking the truth and not lies. And she said, let it be to me according to your word, what you just said. You see, Mary was human which means she expressed fear. Because in verse 30, when the angel appeared, he said, do not be afraid, Mary. Now, you could try to act like you wouldn't be afraid if an angel just rolled up in your crib because you're super spiritual like that. 
No, no, you'd be like, what is this? So he says fear, which is a human emotion. So let's try, stop trying to make people in the Bible into superheroes. Let's stop trying to make people in church leadership and in pulpits superheroes as if we don't have struggles and challenges and fears. Getting afraid is human. But staying afraid for a believer, that's problematic. Yeah, you get afraid, but should you stay afraid? So we see here that Mary, she was temporarily afraid because Gabriel said, do not be afraid. But Mary's fear, I love this, dissipated because she chose to believe what God said. Whatever you're afraid of today, whoever you're afraid of today. That fear dissipates, even disappears, when you believe what God said. We sang Emmanuel, God with us. And if God is with you, it doesn't matter who's against you. But do you believe it? But because you're with God and God is with you and for you, that doesn't mean folks and things and spirits won't be against you. No, they're going to come against you. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God and one person happened to be a majority. So do I believe that? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So if I'm fearing somebody or something, it's because I don't believe who God is, yet alone what God said. Because the fear of man will prove to be a snare. Trying to be a people pleaser, you won't be a God pleaser. So our faith will be tested. Will I believe God in this moment? Will I believe what God said? Well, what did God say to Mary? To cause her faith to be stronger than her fear. To cause her faith to be stronger than her fear. Her fear was there, but her faith was also there. And her faith was stronger than her fears. Well, what did God say to help dissipate that fear? Well, verse 28, you are a highly favored one. Verse 28, the Lord is with you. Emmanuel, you are blessed among women. Do you believe it? You found favor with God, verse 30. You will conceive a son, verse 31. He didn't say you might conceive a son. He was speaking like it was done. She hadn't even given her yes yet. But see, when you're in the presence of God, you got that kind of faith like that. I just came from the presence of God. You will conceive a son. Uh, yes. Not only that, he will be great, verse 32. He will be called the son of the highest, verse 32. God will give him the throne of his father, David, verse 32. In other words, you're giving birth to a king. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. He's eternal, verse 33. His kingdom will have no end, verse 33. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you, verse 35. The one born to you will be called the Son of God. Never heard this, never seen this, it's never been done, but he chose Mary. And then he goes on to say, your cousin Elizabeth, the one who they said couldn't have children, the one who's old, she's now in her sixth month. And then he closes in verse 37 by saying, for with God, 
nothing will be impossible. The word of God went forth. The promises of God went forth. And then she's hearing about what God is doing miraculously in the life of her cousin. So how does she respond? She responds this way. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. You've said enough. You've promised enough. You've done enough. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me. Oh, Mary, keep talking to me. But imagine what you and I could do for God if we actually believed his word. My wife shared a word last night. We had leaders from Strong Tower Nashville, soon to be Strong Tower Franklin, leaders from also the church in Columbia, Mosaic Church. And it was a word about fear and joy. And how when the shepherds had gone to see the baby Jesus, the Bible says they were filled with fear and joy. Fear probably in a spirit of awesomeness, like this is amazing. We've just seen angels coming down out the sky at night singing, and then they're telling us where to go. We go and we see this sight. So the fear could also speak of being awestruck. Oh my. But it's a fear that says, the finger of God is mightier than any muscle of man. Look, look at this. <gasps> but then there was joy over what they felt. And then if you go to the end of the Gospels, when the women show up at the tomb, when the women show up at the tomb, when the women show up at the tomb, did y'all hear what I said? They see Jesus. They run away from the resurrected Jesus to go and give the men a word. The women go to give the men a word. The women go to give. Did y'all hear what I said? And so the Bible says when they ran away, they were filled with fear and joy. How do those emotions intermingle? Because sometimes we think if I'm walking with God, I should never be afraid. No, getting afraid is different from staying afraid. But here's what I love. Jesus was at the center of both experiences. When they came to see him, the shepherds were filled with fear and joy. When the women left his presence, they were filled with fear and joy. And what I love about both sets is that the shepherds had these emotions, but they kept on running. The women had these emotions, but they kept on running. We're going to have these feelings, but keep on running. Keep on moving for God. Because Jesus has to be in the center of our emotions, of our experiences. Well, there is a purpose on your life. You're not here by accident. There's something you can do that no one else can do. There's a gift that you have no one else has. There's an experience you have no one else has. There is a purpose on your life. There's a calling, an assignment on your life. And if God chose you to do it, he knows you can do it as long as you do it through him and for him. Hear the voice of Mary. Because she teaches us how to walk in our calling. These principles got her started, but these principles keep you going. And hearing the voice of Mary, there was no questioning. Sometimes we get too smart for our own good. Sometimes we know so much Bible that we become constipated and, and, and we question everything. <laughs> Secondly, there was no ego. It was not about her. She was an important piece in this thing, but it was not about her. 
We honor her, but we do not worship her. She had no ego. There was no hesitation. She was like, all right, let's do this. She didn't flinch. I like that. And then there was no fear in this sister. Well, she had fear, but it dissipated in the presence of the truth of God's promises. But I'm going to give you one more for free because it's Christmas. She had no regrets. When you and I walk in our purpose, when we walk in our calling, there are no regrets. My wife didn't know that she would write books. That came along later in life. She was doing the known will of God until the unknown will of God found her. Just being obedient. And her life is so much more than writing, but that was part of her purpose, to communicate these stories. And Brown Baby Jesus is on sale at this Christmas. Plug, plug. (laughs) And so, but even this purpose came out of pain. It's a painful season we were in. But God gave her diamonds in the dark. Because some people will look at you and your purpose. You're walking in it. They don't know that you're limping in it, but you're walking in it, and they, and they think you just got there overnight. They think it didn't cost you something. No, it cost you something. It cost Mary because she was going to have to go tell her betrothed husband, I'm pregnant. What? <laughs> and in that culture, you could be stoned. She had faith and courage. And then... Not only did she have to tell him, she had to deal with public ridicule. That's that woman right there that said uh, she got pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus had to deal with that because in one time in the Gospels, they accused him of being born in, in fornication. So there's stigmas that go when you walk in your purpose and you're calling. Everybody's not going to understand, but we ain't doing it for them. Hear the voice of Mary today, please. And I know when she got to the end, she had no regrets. But hear me on this strong tower. Just because there are no regrets, that doesn't mean there haven't been any mistakes. She made mistakes. She's going to say later on, I thank God my Savior. You got to be a sinner to have a Savior. She sinned. You and I sin. We make mistakes. But that does not nullify the purpose, the calling of God on your One day, as with Mary, if God hasn't done it yet, he will interrupt your life with his purpose for your life. Don't do the comparison thing. Be content with what he has for you. And you walk in that to the glory of God. And if you don't know what God has for you, what he's chosen you to do, ask him. Lord. Why am I here? Again, look at your experiences. Look at what you're burdened by. Look at your spiritual gifts. Somewhere in the midst of all of that is your purpose. And until he shares that specific thing, do the general things. Loving God, loving your neighbor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary had a message for me. I needed what she had to say. I I needed to see her example because as the church is expanding, we're going into the new year doing things we've never done, preaching things we've never preached, all of those things. 
And you can give in to the voices in the wind. Leave well enough alone. Why are y'all doing this? I don't understand. But homegirl didn't flinch. And so when my knees start wobbling, Lord, how's this going to end up? You ain't got to worry about how you read the last chapter. You know how it's going to end up. Come on, man. Man up. Matter of fact, learn from Mary, your sister in Scripture, how to stand in the midst of God doing a new thing in your life. Stand on his word. Please stand on your feet at this time. If you need some wisdom, let Mary minister to you. Hear her voice this Christmas season. Let's pray. Father, it has been said, you do not call the qualified, but you qualify everyone that you call. Mary could do what she did because of your favor on her life. Not because of her grit, but because of your grace. Your grace is not only the mechanism that saves us, but your grace is what sustains us in our calling, in our purpose. When it gets hard, like it did for Mary at different times, watching her son suffer, that her purpose involved pain. But I thank you that she said yes. Might we follow her example and say yes to what you're calling us to do, what you're telling us to do, what you're commanding us to do. I thank you that there are no regrets when we walk in what you have for us. Thank you for people, Lord, who stepped out of the boat. People who retired from work when somebody said, oh, we need you to keep working. No, they kept on. They said, no, I'm going to retire and I'm going to enjoy my life and trust God. There are people here, Lord, who left churches and went to other churches. There are people here who started churches. People here who went to school when people said, you'll never go to school. People started businesses and all those kind of things, God. Calling, purpose, destiny. We want to do great things for a great God. We trust you in this hour. Now unto him who is able, yes you are, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. It's according to the power that's working in us, not just in me, but in us as a community. To you, O God, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forevermore. And all of God's people who heard the voice of Mary said, Amen, amen, amen. Bless somebody before you leave. Have a wonderful, wonderful day in the Lord.